Orm presents the secret origin of the Venture Brothers. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Orb, Episode Zero, The Secret Origins of the Venture Brothers. And this is the first episode of our new show about the Venture Brothers. Uh, this is a weekly episode by episode look at the TV show, The Venture Brothers, mm-hmm. uh, including all specials, um, you know, uh, in between season things, bonus materials, etc. Yes. Welcome. Welcome. Who are we? Why should you listen to us? Uh, you may be coming to uh, this as the first show on our network. Yeah. Uh, if so, welcome. Uh, we are Gary Butterfield and Cole Ross. Mm-hmm. We've been podcasting uh, under the Duckfeed banner for about nine years. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do uh, criticism and comedy. Basically, mm-hmm. we talk about video games, movies, uh, miscellaneous yeah. Um, you know, most known for Watch Out for Fireballs, which is a Games Club podcast, and Bonfireside Chat, which is an exploration of the Dark Souls series of games and adjacent subject matter. Yeah. Uh, and we are both fans of the Venture Brothers. Uh, and so this was mm-hmm. this was a natural fit uh, because, Absolutely. you know, it's fun to talk about. Yeah. Uh, we love these boys. <laughs> um, you know, so if you're just now finding us, uh, head on over to duckfeed.tv. Mm-hmm. And you can check out uh, all the other shows we have on offer. Um, if you join our Patreon, you get to join our Slack and you can talk to people about the Venture Brothers or anything. Mm-hmm. Just kind of join the community. Yeah. So. Um, and in addition to that, you also get the episodes a week early. Yeah. Of this show and others. Mm-hmm. Um, before we go too far into this, we want to give some credit and shout outs. Uh, some episode zero shout outs mm-hmm. to the people who did our art and music. Yeah. Uh, for this series. Yeah. So that wonderful intro music that you heard uh, was produced by a friend of the show, Gwen. Thank you, Gwen. Yeah, Gwen. Uh, you can find more of her work at uh, soundcloud.com slash deep whale. Um, really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, highly recommended. And uh, we have commissioned Gwen for this and a couple of other things. Uh, I'm not 100% sure that she is looking for more commissions. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you appreciate her work, reach out. Yes. Um, over top of that, there was an announcer there. Our friend Brayton, uh, is doing the, uh, doing the opening voice there. So thank you, Brayton. Yeah. Sonorous voice, mm-hmm. that man. And he's handsome and sartorial. Mm. Uh, and then our, uh, cover art, um, is done by Joshua. Uh, if you go to J Jarrett, that's J J A R R E T T dot work, which mm-hmm. is a great, you know, uh, portfolio website. Uh, you can see more of his work. Uh, he did our awesome cover art. Yeah. And, uh, we're both big fans of his work and there's really great stuff Yeah, on that site. Mm-hmm. So super happy with all of that. Uh, this is one of the first real shows, uh, where we specifically reached out to commission people. We've had fan art, um, d- done before for other shows. Uh, but this is, mm-hmm. uh, this is cool. Uh, getting off on the right foot with like really professional stuff. So thank you. Yeah, and just uh, mixing it up a little bit, because we yeah. usually do that stuff for our shows, mm-hmm. and uh, we're trying to widen the umbrella a little bit. Yes. Um, the main kind of source for this uh, series will be the DVDs, uh, you know, for the episodes, the DVD commentaries, and then a book, uh, The Art and Making of the Venture Brothers, called Go Team Venture. I can't recommend this uh, book enough. It's really, really good. <laughs> it's wonderful. It has that uh, almost too big to read. 
mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing. Like it is, uh, it is hard to read in bed. Yes, but it, yeah. it is a great book, full of behind the scenes stuff. Those will be our primary sources. Um, we will be looking into other stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, online. Um, and we're going to end up doing some just kind of research because one of the things that I would like to do with the show is explain some of the references. Yeah. Uh, it's in incredibly dense with reference. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And it happens to be references that are entirely up my alley. So yeah, it's a lot of eighties, new wave and Marvel comics, mm-hmm. uh, which I am a conglomeration of those two things. Yeah. Essentially. So and, it is and good, I'm a uh, big a fan of corny, like mid century, like kids media. So that's fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and blonde curly mullets yep so as a as a curled mullet man yourself um, you can be our expert on the hair care i, I don't have a curled, curled mullet no you can uh, believe who you want to believe listeners okay, it's right, uh, yeah, you know you can right. believe me yeah trustworthy you know, milky tenor <laughs> or you can believe bass boy over here oh yes <laughs> the, traditionally the villain in opera yes okay yeah, all right yeah exactly well, starting out so, on, on a weird foot there okay uh well you know we're the Venture Brothers. Yeah. Um, let's talk about our history with the show. Why do we want to do this? What do we like about the Venture Brothers? Let's do it. Um, you go first uh, because I think okay. that you were you were a bigger fan of the show earlier than I was. I uh, I was in the Venture Brothers from the ground floor, mm. baby. Um, I watched every season as it came out um, when I had TV, and then got the DVDs as soon as they were available as they came out. Um, when the show was on the air. At any given time, it was my favorite show. Yeah. Um, we will talk about how the show, you know, kind of, it's like seven seasons over the course of 17 years yeah. or something like that. You know, it, it's not something that came out very regularly, but when it was on, it was my favorite show. Yes. Um, you know, this spoke to me so hard uh, at the time, um, you know, in the early 2000s, I became kind of obsessed and realized my thing was this specific flavor of comedy that was melancholy and obsessed with failure. Yeah. Um, you know, my early touch point for that is always the Royal Tenenbaums, mm-hmm. um, which is, uh, all about exceptional people past their prime. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have always thought about this idea of like what happens after, Yes. You know, uh, you, you become this hero, you become this lauded person, but you still have to wake up the next day mm-hmm. and the next day and the next day and the next day. And, uh, this series really spoke to me because it speaks to that directly. Yes. Um, you know, I, I love this so much. Like I went, there is a, I, my ex-wife, uh, unearthed a picture of me dressed up as the monarch for Halloween. Oh, fun. So we went as, as the monarch and Dr. Girlfriend once <laughs> for Halloween. Uh, I used to collect the action figures of this um and really uh, obsessed mm-hmm. over every episode yeah so just absolutely huge fan they had a uh, early on they had a t-shirt of the week or t-shirt of the month club and uh, i did not have the disposable income just to sign up for the the whole series mm-hmm. but i did buy the uh, dr girlfriend shirt which is a rare like one of the rarer items i own now mm. which is a weird thing uh and i love it it's like one of my it's probably the oldest shirt i have nice. that's still in rotation yeah uh, I'm sure the design was incredibly good because the design chops um, are, are for everything surrounding the show is great. I got the, uh, the like the box set of all the DVDs. Like every one of them has its own little theme to it. I love the Atari car- the the Atari uh, cartridge cover one. Yeah, it's uh, mm-hmm. all very good. Um, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm happy you 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 basically hit on the idea of failure uh, because that's the thing that I love about this too. I do like how melancholy it is. Initially, when this kind of came on, I didn't know what to make of it. Um, I, for mm-hmm. people who are first, first, you know, tuning in and listening to us, I'm younger than Gary. 
um uh, i was born in much younger i was seven seven years so you know yeah. d- d- depending but like you know when this first came on i was i was in high school and i did enjoy watching adult swim but like i liked the more absurd kind of stuff so like that early kind of crazy period of adult swim when it was you know aqua teen hunger force and especially c lab like i was i all love c lab i was all about c lab kind of as this extension of kind of a, a kind of sense of surreal humor that i enjoyed like from like back in you know when i watched like syphil and ollie on like mm-hmm. late night mtv like that stuff on adult swim was a real extension of that Venture mm-hmm. Brothers was this entirely different thing and kind of has always been different than the stuff that has been shown on on Adult Swim, uh, especially the stuff that was produced specifically for it. And so, like, it was initially something that I was I was pretty, you know, I, like I didn't know what to make of it. Right. So, you know, I enjoyed what I saw of like the first season, like the the episode where <laughs> where Dr. Venture transforms into a into a caterpillar is Mm -hmm. like i remember being horrified by watching that um (laughs) it's a real classic yeah yeah Mm -hmm. like i was just like man like just this thing is kind of all over the map and it also came out very infrequently i didn't really like sit down and really start watching it until i was in college and i was working at at the time i was working at a video game store and one of my managers who mostly we talked about what it was like in prison because he was an ex-con, but he was like, oh, I like this Venture Brothers show. And he would like, just as we were talking, because we needed to pass the time, he would describe like the different characters and like talk about stuff that happened. I was like, yeah, I remember seeing that. I didn't know it was that involved. And I went back to it and I saw how dense everything was and how quick it was and really Mm -hmm. tuned into the fact that like, you know, like once it settled in, you know, and I understood that, like, yes, this is a story about fundamentally miserable people and understood, like, what it was like drawing a reference to. That's when it, like, hooked in for me. Um, yeah. And, you know, so, like, by the time I started watching it, like, I think they were, like, partway through season three or something like that. Um, and I kind of was all in after that point. Contrasting this with the rest of Adult Swim's lineup at the time is really important because... Uh, you know, I, they're not mutually exclusive. Like I loved Aqua Teen. I love C-Lab. I still love C-Lab. I think yes. C-Lab actually holds up really well. It does. Um, but this is a serialized show. Mm-hmm. Um, and even more so than other serialized shows, uh, things change yeah. in the Venture Brothers. Um, it is, there is lore to the Venture Brothers and it was operating, it's operating on a level that Adult Swim is not. Yes. Like even now. You know, like Adult Swim has made some of my all-time favorite shows. Mm-hmm. I love everything Tim and Eric has done. I love the Eric Andre show. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we mentioned C-Lab. Like, there's all this stuff that I really, really like. Um, this is going for something different and mm-hmm. elevated. The only thing that. that I could that, that I could see that was even trying to touch this space was Moral Oral, uh, like, yeah. concurrently at that time. Yeah. Uh, and even then, it was not as long-lasting or as ambitious. Yes. Um, you know, this really changes gears as it goes and becomes like kind of a different show like one of the things that i love about this is that this starts out pretty good Mm -hmm. you know pretty good to good and then gets absolutely transcendently phenomenal as it goes like it does (laughs) it starts out really good and if it had stayed at the season one and two level Mm -hmm. it would still be a really funny show that's worth talking about yeah but the way things move and evolve and expand reminds me of shows that bat higher yeah um a weird thing about this show and this is a weird comparison but one of the things i love and 
boy, this is a tired reference, but one of the things I love about the wire yeah. is that the wire never uh, just switches focus. It always expands. Mm-hmm. So it's like, here's this new aspect of the city. Here's how it interacts with every old aspect of the city. Mm-hmm. That's what the Venture Brother does. Yeah. Venture Brothers do. It's like, oh, here's OSI. Here's Sphinx. Mm-hmm. Here's, you know, let's let's move into, let's actually get into uh, the council. Yeah. You know, the League of the Calamity's Intent. Like, it, it actually allows you to uh, learn about these things and how they relate to each other. Mm-hmm. And then with the seventh season, which gets, like, absolutely incredible, it becomes more serialized and even more uh, about these origins and deeper yes. as it starts going into the Monarch's parents' mm-hmm. uh, origins. Yeah, which was just, um, a, like, like Monarch's origin at the start was literally like it was just a throwaway like it was mm-hmm. it was a way for them to set up like a gag that they stopped doing and the fact that mm-hmm. that comes back and becomes like a fulcrum on which the fate of all of these people kind of hinges is ridiculous mm-hmm. like there's like yeah. things that begin as throwaway jokes in this almost always end up coming back in a different context and almost always have some kind of emotional core to them that is yes. that is deeper and connected to more things than you would expect it is more planned than yeah. a lot of shows uh, that it's peers with and some of that you can see being like i don't think when they invented i know when they thought of the monarch they didn't think of the the blue morpho stuff yes um you know we've seen their pitch document mm-hmm. but there are there's foreshadowing about you know jonas jr yep uh very early on in the series like they did have plans mm-hmm. for a lot of this stuff um it's impressive. Yeah. Like there are certain TV shows that make me feel like an idiot uh, in the best possible way. <laughs> yeah. Like this. And then, uh, you know, I know it's become tainted because of the later seasons, but Arrested Development is like that yes. for me as well, where I'm like, fuck man, <laughs> like that is clever. Yeah. Uh, I, I had no, like, <laughs> I had no idea. I had no idea that this was a machine. I had no idea how intricate the machine was. Like I had no mm-hmm. idea what was going on under the surface to, to like to, to make, to make this stuff connect. Yeah. Yes. And uh, finding it out is an absolute delight. Yes. And it's gonna be really fun to like actually dig in and uh, break all that shit down. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so yeah. So let's get into the or- uh, for this episode. You know, we want to explain what the show is uh, mm-hmm. weekly. Um, it will probably be a little bit longer than this episode. Yes. Is because I do really want to break down those references. Mm-hmm. Um, and it will probably get longer as there's more uh, lore. Yes. Uh, you know, to kind of talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, real quick before we get, and this episode we're going to talk about the show origins and kind of briefly talk about the main cast. Uh, before we get into that, um, I don't think this is a good show for people. Like, you could watch the show along with us. Mm-hmm. You know, that'd be fine. Yeah. Um, you can experience the show vicariously through us. That'd be fine. What I think, um, you know, I wouldn't just, uh, like, we're going to spoil stuff. Yes. Those call forwards and those foreshadowing things I want to talk about because it's impressive that they included them. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be cagey about who Jonas Jr. is. Yeah. Because they're laying down the work mm-hmm. for it. So just know that, like, there's not really a spoiler policy to this. Um, there's seven seasons of this. The last season came out several years ago. Mm-hmm. The first season of it came out a really long time ago, like 2003. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we're beyond the spoiler wall for any of this shit. Yes. So understand that going forward. Uh, listen at your own risk, although we encourage mm-hmm. you to, uh, to, yes. to, to listen and follow along. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about the show origins. Uh, you know, the pilot, it aired in 2003, um, and the series began on Adult Swim in 2004. Uh, the pilot is present. Like, you can just see that both on any streaming service and also on the DVDs, The, ter- the Terrible Secret of Turtle Bay. 
Um, mm-hmm. Again, a remarkable thing, how much stuff is present there, even if it is um, weird. <laughs> Worst episode of the series. Yes. Yeah. But, it, you know, they just had not found the voice. Right. Uh, we'll talk about that next episode. But, um, but yeah, they developed the pilot, pitched it. Um, as of this recording, like we said, October 2020, um, uh, the show has been canceled. Uh, like, the show was canceled in between the time when we announced that we are going to be uh, we doing this it. show. Yeah. Um, selfishly, solipsistically, we killed it by uh, by observing it. So, mm-hmm. uh, you're welcome, everybody. Uh, we took away a thing that you love. Uh, Adult Swim has tweeted that they are in talks with Avenger, but like they want more Avenger Brothers and they're talking to the creators about ways to finish the story. Yes. So, and I could see this wrapping up with a movie. Also, mm-hmm. cancel does not mean what it used to. Right. Uh, with these kind of things, Futurama came back, Family Guy came back. Mm-hmm. Um, shows can come back. So I do yes. not actually think that's the end of the Venture Brothers. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we'll necessarily get season after season after season, mm-hmm. um, but we kind of weren't getting that anyway. We were getting one season every three or four years. Yeah. Um, I think that getting a movie or a final season or a special mm-hmm. uh, feels very appropriate to me. Yes. So uh, we're in this weird liminal space where there has been huge Venture Brother news. But uh, as of right now, there are seven seasons and, you know, it, it comes to a kind of a kind of close. Yes. Even, even if nothing new uh, kind of comes along. Oh. Uh, the Venture Brothers is primarily uh, created by Christopher McCulloch, a.k.a. Jackson Public. Mm-hmm. Um, in the late 90s, McCulloch worked on the uh, animated series of The Tick. That's a good cartoon. Um, so I didn't know there was a connection. It made so much sense to me. Yep. <laughs> uh, when I found that out, there are tick jokes mm-hmm. that are basically Venture Brothers jokes. Yes. And I don't know if that is uh, public being influenced mm-hmm. by uh, Edland uh, or if that is uh, vice versa. Like those are always public contributing. Yeah. Uh, it, also, it also could be like that they, you know, public and uh, I, I, who's the guy who made the tick? Oh, uh, Ben Edlund. Yeah, yeah. Ben, it, I think it, yeah, ben it could just be that they had similar sensibilities, like similar, like absurd reference uh, uh, kind of kind of preferences. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it, it could have been, you know, like followed like. Yeah, there is a uh, in the tick. Uh, there is a Fantastic Four knockoff called the Civic Minded Five. <laughs> and that is that. them showing up as a one-off is such a Venture Brothers thing. Yes. And and, and so much so that the Venture Brothers did a, a version of that with the polyamorous, <laughs> uh, you know, Mr. Polyamory yep. and his four wives as like a Fantastic Four kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, yeah. Uh, so that pedigree makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. Public moved to LA to work on the live action version of The Tick. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where he met Patrick Warburton, yep. uh, who was the voice of the tick and originally the live action tick before the uh, Peter Serafanowitz yes. version. Many, many years later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's where he established that relationship. Um, Patrick Warburton, most people would probably know him um, from Seinfeld. He played Putty. Uh, very mm-hmm. distinctive voice, does a lot of voice acting. Here, he does the voice for um, for Brock Sampson. Very distinctive. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And like he had worked in other animation in addition to the tech, like he did sheep in the big city. Uh, he had done some work on King of the Hill. I want to see specifically what he did on King of the Hill. Cause I fucking love that show. Um, mm-hmm. and if there's any, uh, if, if there's anything, he <laughs> it's the wrote, one where they I go to the to... underwater base, <laughs> <laughs> it's the one where they go to the underwater base and fight 50s robots. Actually, <laughs> dad, dad, there's 50s robots. Talk about, talk about dang, dang all that. Spider-Man got a good web coming up, but well, I never, yeah, ding, 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 ding. Um, 
he also i love uh in the uh the go team venture book they talk about how he used to work for him and a bunch of other animators worked for doug mm-hmm. on nickelodeon and they like i love this line because he talks about um he's like no offense to doug but a lot of us were more talented than just being able to drive the car doug drives around or draw <laughs> the the car that doug drives around or the remote control for his tv <laughs> and just the idea that like you do need a stable of dudes who are probably frustrated cartoonists who are mm-hmm. happy to work in animation who are just drawing lamps and shit yeah working on a boring show yeah (laughs) yeah um so like as as public as as mcculloch was putting the show together like he ended up like meeting his collaborator doc hammer um Mm -hmm. who is this actor and musician and eventually would become kind of a co-creator and a collaborator on the show yes uh and i think that doc hammer is primarily where like a lot of the music Yes. Uh, kind of DNA of this comes through. I'm not, I'm sure Jackson public enjoys music. Mm-hmm. Doc Hammer was a, a figure in like certain kinds of Gothic synth bands yeah, and yeah. stuff uh, that I've not heard. Um, you know, if this show goes on long enough, that'd be a fun idea for a special mm-hmm. or something. You know, yeah. let's check out Doc Hammer's bands mm-hmm. um, or a Patreon exclusive or something. Yeah. Um, but the, the two of their voices definitely congeal to make the magic. Yes. Um, you know, during this time, uh, public was really obsessed with mid-century and kind of space-age pop culture. Mm-hmm. So uh, things like Johnny Quest, the Hardy Boys, uh, things like that. And yeah. then just kind of in his sketchbook, as early as working on The Tick, mm-hmm. he came up with characters who were Hank and Dean Venture. Yeah, Ma Venture um, didn't raise no fools. They're, they're <laughs> pretty close to like what they would become. Yeah. Uh, the drawings are a little bit more like grotesque, I feel mm-hmm. like. Yeah. Almost, yeah. In like a, almost like a Ren and Simbi way. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they're not quite as dim-witted. Right. As they'll ultimately end up being. <laughs> but they're there. Um, yeah. And that is something that you can see if you read this, you know, if you have this beautiful book uh, that, mm-hmm. the, that is there. Um, but yeah, like he had those, he had those here. Uh, and you can kind of see, you know, like th- this is a show that does wear its influences on its sleeve. Uh, something I was mm-hmm. unaware of is that there was just this whole series of like children's books called Tom Swift Jr. and Tom Swift Sr. That basically mm-hmm. like ran in the 30s and then in the 60s they they did as kid almost like an indiana jones jr kind of thing and mm-hmm. so like public got obsessed with this idea of like what happens when you have a like a boy genius growing up in the shadow of his father and that's where you get like kind of the emotional core of this which is the deeply miserable character of of, of rusty venture yeah it's a deconstruction, yes. right? Like this, this is uh, an early example of something that I saw that I recognized as such mm-hmm. of asking the question, what would it be really be like yes. to live these adventures and lives? Yeah. You know, uh, what is Johnny Quest's therapy sessions like? Because that guy had a rough life mm-hmm. and we find out yeah. in like season four or five, like we literally go <laughs> no, to Johnny no, Quest's therapy no, session. Season, season two. <laughs> like, season, was that in season two? Yeah. Season with, two. With Roboy? Yeah. Uh, no, um, no, okay, no, uh, no. So the therapy happens in, uh, in, uh, later, like at think season three okay. or four but action johnny shows up very early on yeah um, i do, I, I, do he had showed up. I meant yeah literally his therapy session it's oh, like yes. this thing that yeah. i was thinking like we actually get to see it they mm-hmm. ask that question like what is life like for mm-hmm. people who live in this fantastical world yeah. and the answer is shitty like uh, like, like a little kid is like supposed to go to school and supposed to have like you know stable parents is not supposed to have near death near near death experiences on a weekly basis <laughs> yeah you shouldn't even know what a frogman is right and they're everywhere uh, here. Um, and just dealing with the fallout from that and then having him, uh, you know, Doc Venture, we're going to talk about the characters next, yeah, yeah. Um, express his 
express, try to express love for his children while not getting over the trauma of his own childhood mm-hmm. and successfully not repeating his own mistakes in some ways while also doing like way worse. Uh-huh. Like it's like a design. It's, it's a, a machine to make a bad person. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, uh, my favorite episode of the series is just getting out on front street. It's called the doctor is sin. That's amazing. Yeah. That's yeah, my favorite episode of the series. Maybe one of my favorite single episodes of anything ever mm-hmm. that deals with that question so directly and just <laughs> these questions that should be at the margin of any thinking person who is watching something with 90% buy-in, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, I love that angle for these things where like, uh, yeah, it would, boy, would it suck to wait to, to grow up to be, you know, Mr. Fantastic's kid. Mm-hmm. You know, you have infinite power and Thanos is always trying to get up in your shit. Yep. <laughs> you know, you have to make the heroes get reborn. That uh-huh. sucks. Nobody liked that storyline. <laughs> like, it would just be really bad. And again, that thing I mentioned earlier, even after these moments, you still have to wake up. Yes. So characters in the show, like, have breakfast mm-hmm. and, you know, go to dinner and talk about, like, what they're doing for school and yeah. have yard sales and pay rent and all of these things that are the day to day life stuff that isn't fighting frogmen or mummies. Yeah. Like, um, that's part of what makes the guild of calamitous intent like one of my favorite things in the show is just like literally the banality of evil like the yes. fact that there is a bureaucracy a bureaucracy around this to accomplish what <laughs> yeah. you know like it's, yeah. it's 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 amazing just these these organizations and ultimately like people with deeply unfulfilled dreams and broken families and no support structure who are are just fucking miserable like there's a lot of comedy that comes from a way that everything comes up short for them. Yeah, it's very sad. And not only are, are they uh, suffering from not getting their grand wishes met, uh, they're also like trying to get laid mm-hmm. and they're trying to, you know, just so it's high and low. Yeah. Uh, kind, kind of things being unfulfilled, unfulfilled and deeply profound ways mm-hmm. on multiple levels. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the, the plan originally was to make Venture Brothers a comic. Um, you know, uh, if you look at the book, Go Team Venture, it has two pages from it where he mm-hmm. like literally stopped and said, this is good. And I want to just write a screenplay Yeah. Um, of it. Uh, it's fantastic art. Mm-hmm. Uh, the comic is good and looks like it would have been fun. I'm glad this came out as a cartoon. Same. The voice acting, yeah. like the performances actually lift this a lot for me way like tons and the comic timing mm-hmm. um the uh and there's also in terms of a dodge bullet uh they met with a studio in actually in portland oregon who wanted to make this a cg yeah and, that would have been uh, awful <laughs> yeah boy because he says like oh you know this i wanted to go for this retro kind of bad on purpose um aesthetic mm-hmm. why not make this beautiful and without at the time realizing oh no like cg from 2002 or 2003 was not about to look beautiful right or timeless now like mm-hmm. this could have been like reboot yeah some shit like that and we wouldn't be talking about it because i don't think i would have been able to stick with it no with this, if everything else was the same like it would just be too hard to look at it would be an object of fun you know and as yeah. it stands like the first season of this is before they change the animation style is already a little bit like you know kind of like flash animation-y like a, like to, yeah. to to a certain extent you know like it's it's a little bit of a tougher putt even if the actual assets do look really good if this was bad 2003 cable level cg yeah it would be an object of fun you would like you would have to disregard it no matter how good the writing was like that would be a very big that would be a very big uh hurdle to get over yeah and as is like the first season which is not as good it eventually gets great Mm -hmm. you know in terms of animation and the first season is not a war crime and even then looked more animated and more involved than anything else on adult swim at the time yes you know which was literally flash animation like most adult swim (laughs) stuff was like paper dolls yes 
you know, moving around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but it became an animated series. They had chopped it around. Comedy Central had rejected it. Um, Public had initially uh, written off the idea of taking it to Cartoon Network because he wanted it to be for adults, right? Mm-hmm. He had those core ideas there and he didn't want to have to water it down. But it made a pretty good fit for Adult Swim. Um, yes. And they said, yeah, we're going to take this and we're, we're really not going to like force you to change much of anything. Yeah, it was very serendipitous. Uh, he had to rewrite the script. The second act was a little boring. Yeah. But it was, you know, they had budget for uh, three pilots and they'd already bought two. Uh, mm-hmm. I wish I knew what those other two were to yes. understand why it wasn't in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one actually ended up taking you off. Yeah. And they're basically off to the races. There'll be, um, you know, production details and kind of changes um, that we'll talk about, you know, as we get into other seasons and yeah. such. Um, Astro Base Go, the studio uh, that Public and Hammer have formed, sounds mm-hmm. awesome. Yep. Uh, yeah, they talk about just this like loft in New York where they could like scream at 2 a.m. and play music. And basically it just sounds like a creative's dream, mm-hmm. um, which is also a part of why this series appeals to me was, is that with, you know, I don't think I was smart enough to make it, but I wish that I had, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and the, the kind of creative freedom they're given to take these risks is something that any creative person I think could like look on with jealousy and admiration. Oh yeah, definitely an envious situation. Yeah. Um, let's kind of break down the characters, uh, the main characters, mm-hmm. and then call it for this episode and then come back next week. Yeah. That uh, terrible secret of Turtle Bay. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to talk about the main cast here, uh, kind of who was initially present on the show. The thing about the Venture Brothers, if you're new to it, um, and even if you are, you know, passingly familiar with it, there are so many characters. There are more characters than you actually remember there being. If you go and just like look at a big list and they like are in groups, like we're not going to talk about the order of tri- the, of the triad because that doesn't that doesn't form until like season two. Uh, yeah. <laughs> You know, so we will introduce them as they are brought in. But this core cast of the Venture family and kind of the Monarchs crew kind of form the basis of this and kind of set set out the key dynamics. Yes. Yeah. And we I just want to do like our kind of brief little bit on each character. Like, yes. what do you think of these guys? Mm-hmm. Um, primarily, uh, we got Dr. Thaddeus Rusty Venture, uh, <laughs> voiced by James Urbaniak. Um, so he is uh, somewhat of a super scientist, you know, the son of a super scientist more than anything. <laughs> most, most mostly like, taking his, uh, t- t- taking his dad's, uh, like, like unfinished inventions and trying to sell them, uh, mo- like mm-hmm. to military, to, to militaries yep. around the world. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, he is a pill addict. Um, he is a bad father. Mm-hmm. And is living in his father's shoes. Um, something that's really interesting from Go Team Venture is the original pitch was that he made like infomercial shit. Mm-hmm. Like, and that was supposed to be the contrast. I like this version. Yes. Way better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, who's just kind of like, you know, coasting along, but isn't really, you know, he's not the dad from Gremlins. Like, mm-hmm. he's not making smokeless ashtrays. Right. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. I mean, Rusty steals the show for me and i think that a lot of that mm-hmm. has to do with james urbaniak's performance um yeah yeah like it, it is it is pretty much there from the beginning and like he kind of sets the pace for the show i think in terms of like mm-hmm. the way that the dialogue and patter goes um and as you know like it, he is the core driver of, of a lot of the misery that we see uh first you know yeah first and foremost it's his failure that kind of sets everything He's also my favorite collection of quirks. Yes. 
uh, in this. Like you will get little things about Dr. Venture and they, they range from like big, like he thinks of himself as a ladies man. (laughs) That's great. Uh, to like small, like he, uh, one of my favorite running through lines is, uh, his predilection for girl drinks that no one would ever drink. Yep. Um, (laughs) where he'll have a drink. He'll be like, you start with a tall pour of Kahlua or something like that. And that's very, or a tall pour of grenadine. (laughs) And no, nobody can, but he just, there's a confidence. Yep. Uh, to it that I just, I really absolutely adore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with him. And like, the, there, there's something about like, it, it, it makes sense to talk about the venture compound, uh, when mm-hmm. you talk about, uh, about, about Rusty, because, you know, he doesn't have, you know, it's, it's, it's the compound that his dad built. Right. Uh, and mm-hmm. it's very like very mid century and very like, almost like Brady Bunch, like mod, uh, kind of stuff. Everything there is super seventies. And I love the yes. aesthetic to it and everything about his taste is like super seventies because he is, you know, stuck like his, his, his development is arrested because he has not emotionally moved past the, the, the damage that his dad has done. And so the fact that he is living in this very outdated uh, kind of place and basically doesn't change anything uh, mm-hmm. is, is very, is very neat to me. Yeah. Uh, pretty incredible. Yeah. Um, Brock Sampson. Mm-hmm. Uh, voiced by Patrick Warburton. This is their family bodyguard uh, assigned by OSI or the Office of Secret Intelligence. It's like the race ban uh, of this. Yes. Um, big blonde powerhouse uh, murder machine. Yes. Um, absolutely incredible uh, performance here as well. Mm-hmm. Um, still waters run really deep. Yes. You know, like uh, the the kind of things we learn about this character and about OSI and his background mm-hmm. and the moves this character makes are really phenomenal. Yeah. Um, his, his characterization changes an awful lot, I think, especially even from the pilot into the rest of season one. Like mm-hmm. in the pilot, he abandons the family in order to go sleep with a prostitute when or no, that that's the first episode, actually, the first proper episode. Yeah. Like early on, he is more of like a almost like a James Bond kind of guy, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but like he actually is incredibly loyal to the Venture Brothers and has a lot of like affection specifically for the kids. And even though he is like this caricature of masculinity, like shirtless, shirtlessly washing his, you know, Dodge Charger while listening to Led Zeppelin, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and killing yeah. people with a K-bar knife exclusively. He doesn't use guns like he also like gardens on the venture compound and acts like the nanny for the kids. So, yeah, still like yeah. The, the, the fact that he has this depth and like most of what he does ends up being like raising the kids in a way that Rusty can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's a huge amount of heart to Brock Sampson. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you know, like very clearly and directly with his relationship with the boys, but even with Doctor Venture, yeah, like he's kind of Doctor Venture's only friend, mm-hmm. you know. And you know, Pete White and Billy Quizboy accepted, like you know, Brock and him have worked together, mm-hmm. you know, for a very long time. And this is a really well observed, you know, you can tell that Brock Sampson probably doesn't have a lot of respect, no, for Doctor no. Venture, but they're coworkers, <laughs> yeah, and he's lived with them, like they're they're family, basically. Yeah. Well, I mean, like one of my favorite moments since you mentioned the doctor is sin and because there's no because there's no um, spoiler policy here um, or the spoiler, the spoiler policy is anything goes um, <laughs> at the end of that episode after, you know, what happens with, you know, Dr. Killinger and his magic murder bag when basically when Killinger tells Rusty like, yeah, no, you're 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 a supervillain. And, you know, Rusty like vulnerably like ass ass Brock like, hey, man, am I am I a bad guy? 
and the fact that brock just like his only answer is to like make us so so kind of like yeah. eh. and then the episode ends <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah like, uh, it's, it's it's really good yeah i I think about one of the things I think about their relationship a lot is when they're flashing back to the boys and they're like, what was that that time we both had the and he kind of points at his lip and they'd both grown a mustache. Yep. <laughs> that, that's a really well observed, like two roommates or two brothers. Oh yeah. <laughs> doing something to be goofy. Yeah. It's like, Oh, what do we both have mustaches? Let's try that out. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's very it, like the relationship is beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful and fun. Um, we got Hank. Uh, Hank Venture, uh, voiced by Jackson Public. Mm-hmm. Um, he is the more adventurous uh, of the two, a little bit more jock. Yeah. Uh, he dresses like Freddy from Scooby Doo. He's got a kerchief. <laughs> yep. Um, and he's somehow dumber. Like yeah. one of one of the dynamics of this, you know, and I've talked about this with other shows uh, on the network, but it's like the it's always sunny dynamic or whatever. Uh-huh. When you get a group of dumb people and you have one person who's dumb but slightly less dumb. Yep. That works perfectly. Like <laughs> it's always sunny wouldn't work without Dennis to be sometimes the voice of reason. Yes. Like, you know, what the real world might be like. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea of, Hey, you know, that being Dean mm-hmm. in this is really good. <laughs> Dean who has a number of problems himself, but is not as dim as, as, as Hank is. I love the explanation for this and the way that they seed the revelation for that later on. Mm-hmm. absolutely <laughs> because hank just doesn't know basic facts and like the the, the kids don't go to school like they, 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 they go to they, bed they, no they, they they learn from a bed that talks to them while they sleep <laughs> mm-hmm. um and uh i mean like the, the the reveal is like hank like hank is dumb because he doesn't like he unplugs the speaker <laughs> so yeah. he, he is effectively unschooled like he, he never actually learned anything he just has whatever whatever he does with the group with the group yeah. He's an autodidact icon. Yes. <laughs> Hank Venture. Uh, his character development as the Venture brothers separate from each other. Yes. And get more different after an event uh, that happens, which we'll talk about. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess I won't say right now because it is pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, it'll be fun to talk about in the moment. Um, that's great. Like the two trajectories Hank and Dean go on. Yeah. I absolutely love because they become very well-developed and very different characters. Yes. Uh, we should talk about Dean. Uh, Dean mm-hmm. is uh, kind of the younger, the coded as younger. He's the nerdy one, uh, voiced by mm-hmm. uh, Michael Michael uh, Centerniklaus. I, I know that I am mm-hmm. mispronouncing that, but that's the best I've got. Uh, dresses in a sweater vest and is the more nerdy, the more reserved, and the mm-hmm. more timid of them. Kind of like more closely takes after after Rusty. Yeah, he very specifically dresses like Peter Parker yes. in a 60s Spider-Man comic. So we have Fred from Scooby-Doo and Peter Parker. <laughs> um, and he is the one who is uh, early on, at the very least, potentially a victim of his father yes. trying to do to him what, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Venture Sr. Yeah. did to him. Yeah, Dean is the favorite and Hank is a, a subject of kind of relentless abuse and neglect, even more so, yes. even though they're both neglected. Yeah. And abuse. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, uh, and then uh, rounding out the uh, the immediate family is Helper, uh, which is a robot voiced by Soulbot. Um, this is this robot nanny that helped raise Dr. Venture and now helps raise the Venture brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, he makes incomprehensible beeps that everyone can understand. I, I love um, I love the, 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 the way that he talks. It's one of my favorite sounds mm-hmm. in media. <laughs> it's really good. Um, and he, uh, he is sentient. Yeah. He has emotions. Uh, <laughs> he gets sad. Uh, yeah. Um, I love, I love helper. They do a lot of great stuff with helper. Yeah. <laughs> when he, sorry. Just the, 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 when he, the, the way that he transforms, I think between season three and four. 
Mm-hmm. That's very funny. <laughs> yes. um, the uh, so yeah, helper is great. I like how he acts as the drum machine for mm-hmm. uh, shallow gravy. <laughs> um, yep. So. And they can't change the beat. I think. Yeah. <laughs> you can only do that one sound. Mm-hmm. Oh Super man. Good. <laughs> uh but yeah that's uh that's the core venture brother family that's going to expand and like there are going to be people like uh the order of the triad you know like mm-hmm. uh um billy quiz boy and Pete white jo- yeah jonas jr who kind of like uh, kind of attach to and expand on that mm-hmm. um but the these are the people who are present at the beginning yeah a huge cast mm-hmm. um in terms of uh the monarchs crew which is the initial antagonist and antagonist throughout the entire show even though they do some monster of the week style stuff. Yes. Um, so they are arched. That's the terminology in this universe. Uh, his arch villain. Um, you know, so all super scientists or superheroes are assigned an arch villain from the Guild of <laughs> Calamitous Intent. Yes. Uh, and uh, the monarch is our first one, voiced by Jackson Public. Mm-hmm. Um, he is themed around monarch butterflies. Uh, he was raised by them. Mm-hmm. And his costume and hideout are themed as such. So it's royalty crossed with butterfly. Yes. Uh, you know, he flies around in a gigantic cocoon that uh, he thinks he can hide, but it just, you know, is hovering over the Grand Canyon. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the size of a building. Yes. Yeah. Um, and like the like there was an early gag where the monarch uh, very clearly didn't understand butterfly biology at all. Like mm-hmm. he had no idea like how long they lived or like what the migration cycle was. Uh, they, they got rid of that because there's nowhere you can go with that with that joke it's yeah you know. the, when they decided they wanted to have him have more of a backstory yeah you know, I, I felt like a little bit like at some point there was going to be a different villain for every season or two seasons mm-hmm. you know they would have uh, with the changing and i think they just love the monarch yes and built a lot of lore around him mm-hmm. uh, and ended up using him yeah but like he's like, he's this trust fund kid like he's obsessed with venture for reasons that are unclear at the start um mm-hmm. and he is petulant and deeply insecure yes yeah um he is joined by dr girlfriend uh who is his partner and later wife Mm -hmm. um voiced by doc hammer uh this is uh you know his second in command Mm -hmm. um she is dressed like jackie o and has (laughs) a, a very deep uh, voice. Yes. Um, so there, there's, you know, jokes to this as far as like, one of the things that I want to get out on front street is that like, this was a cartoon that came out in 2003. Mm-hmm. So there's, uh, people throwing around, uh, the R slur calling things gay, yep. things like that. Um, we'll note that when it pops up mm-hmm. as a thing, I'm not gonna, you know, it was in the water at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I think this kind of trucks with, but I personally just as you know, straight cis white dude don't think it crosses a line with is with Dr. Girlfriend in terms of transphobia. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the joke that uh, this person who is like this traditional standard of, of beauty and poise, mm-hmm. Jackie O, just having the ultimate like gruff guy voice mm-hmm. doesn't feel like it's coded as anything other than silly. It's people's reactions early on and this and this fades away. Like people make, you know, kind of offhand remarks or jokes yes. like, you know, what, you know, was she always was she always a woman, et cetera? Like, you know, quick question, questions like that. That does fade away. We're not here to excuse that. But like the the fact of her the that she just has this voice just kind of seems like a goofy thing it is only ever presented as just like a a throwaway thing about her when you get used to it as well yes like you eventually it's just kind of like it it, you know you you get acclimated to it It no longer even becomes a joke yeah it just becomes the character's voice Mm -hmm. um 
I guarantee that there are people who are smarter than we are and have more skin in the game mm-hmm. who have written essays about this very subject. And yes. I would encourage everyone listening to this to go li- to go read them. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, you know, it's it didn't bother me, and it's not my place to excuse it or you know explain it. Yes. Um, it's just I'm going to leave. I'm going to stay in my lane mm-hmm. for that one. Yeah. Um, if that does bother you and it hampers your enjoyment of the show in any way, uh, that is valid and good. Yes. And fine. Um, she has a pretty deep characterization as well. Like she has this past, you know, um, she is not, you know, the monarch is not her first, you know, kind of, uh, role that she has taken in the guild of calamitous intent. Like she used to be her own supervillain. You know, she was lady au pair. Uh, mm-hmm. she was a second in command for other people. She was like lady Etheria working with phantom limb. So like she is an old hand at this villainy stuff. And she's very practical in most regards and keeps the, the operation running. Like she's the only person who seems to care about the henchmen. Um, mm-hmm. But also like, I don't know. She, she loves the monarch and he's a real screwed up dude. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, probably ends up in a lot of situations because, you know, he screws her over quite a bit, but ultimately they end up sticking together. Yeah. I, I like the genuine emotion. Yes. At the core of their relationship quite a bit. Mm hmm. Um, and I also really like the choice of not making her this one note joke of mm-hmm. giving her this history and entwining her as much as anyone mm-hmm. into the back, the backstory of yeah. the antagonism side of this, um, really just inspired choice. Yeah. Um, he has henchmen, an entire hench- army of henchmen, but the two principal characters are henchmen 21 and 24. Mm-hmm. Um, they're named later in the series and become more prominent characters early on. They just have distinct voices. Yes. Um, and they're good voices mm-hmm. that every once in a while I can do a good impersonation of both, but never at the same time. <laughs> no, uh, you know, this is some kind of curse. So, yeah, uh, they're good characters and the way that they deconstruct plot, uh, immunity mm-hmm. <laughs> is very fun to yeah. me. Um, I, I love that shit and I'm glad they, uh, they, drop it though too yes like early on them doing rosencrantz and guildenstern commentary on the tropes of the genre (laughs) was incredibly fun and Mm -hmm. then eventually like again the show just evolves it's like oh we're kind of past that though yeah it's like you know we're actually gonna take this stuff seriously because you guys do because we put in all this work Mm -hmm. yeah and and that's something laudable about the show to kind of bring it back you know we've talked about the cast here but like to bring it back like they're not afraid to throw something away once it is once it is stopped being useful or to repurpose it right yeah we're probably grow, you know, yeah. grew a little bit like the things like the language, like, you know, using, you know, the R slur or calling things gay or yeah. anything like that. Like, I think they probably just grew out of it the same way I did. Mm-hmm. Right. Like when this came out, I was 23, yep. uh, not, not a super woke 23 year old. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't a monster. I wasn't like on Stormfront, you know, but I wasn't <laughs> like, you know, I don't think yeah. I was regularly calling things, uh, you know, gay or retarded, but, uh, I wasn't, I was maybe six years out from that. Mm-hmm you know, having done that quite a bit, uh, you know, late nineties, early two thousands, man. Like I don't want to let it off the hook, but it's okay for people to grow and change. Yes. And I think that in the show, you get to watch the creators realize, you know, we don't have to lean on that shit. Mm -hmm. You know, that that's a dumb crutch and we don't need it. Um, and they didn't like, they had the chops, like they didn't have to do it. So, um, no, I think that's, I mean, that's everything that I had prepared for this. I'm just, I'm real excited Mm -hmm. to start talking about the show. Yeah, me too. I, I can't wait to start watching and really diving in. Mm-hmm. Um, we really appreciate you listening to this first episode of Orb, episode mm-hmm. zero. Um, we will be back next week. If you uh, would like to get these a week early, 
Um, you can patronize us by going to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also get a bunch of other shows, everything else early. Uh, we recommend if this is your first show on the network, checking out our other stuff. Mm-hmm. If you have interest that include things like video games and such. Yeah. Um, which you probably do. Probably. Um, you know, <laughs> and uh, when a show first starts out, it's very important uh, to get uh, people to listen. It's very important to get ratings, reviews on Apple Podcast, Podcast Addict, and then also uh, telling your friends. Yes. About it. So if you have friends who like the show or maybe listen to uh, or maybe watched uh, the Venture Brothers back in the day, uh, just uh, it just helps spread the word. You know, we don't do advertisement, really. In the past, mm-hmm. we maybe bought a couple of banner ads here and there, but it, it's it's entirely we, we, we rely on you guys. We rely on the audience. Yes. So we appreciate uh, if you if you, uh, if you take the time and talk about us on social media or message boards, blogs, etc. Yeah. We really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, hopefully this uh, this show goes well. I'm looking forward to recording it and watching the episodes regardless. I think mm-hmm. it'll be really fun to yeah. talk through. Um, and uh, we can't wait to, to share it with you. Yeah. So. Uh, so if you want to find all of the episodes, if you're listening to this in the uh, in the past, you can either uh, look uh, wherever you're getting podcasts or we have a uh, home on the web at orb.show is the, uh, is the website for this. Yeah. If you'd like to uh, follow me on Twitter, you can do so at Gary Ba, G-A-R-Y-B-U-H. Yep. You can follow me on Twitter at Cole Ross. That is K-O-L-E-R-O-S-S. And you can follow the network at Duckfeed TV. Yes. And uh, until next time, go I mean, team go venture. team venture seems the obvious one. Yeah. yeah go yeah. team venture. <laughs> <laughs>